0: So, as a church, throughout August, we are going to be looking at stories in between, and that 's basically talking about the parables of jesus and the way we 've kind of done this is with some snippets so um, I know you 've had already quite a bit of talking at you at the beginning of the service, but I just wanted to pave the road as we begin. They uh, the service with the stories in between. And we said the parables are are stories that Jesus used from everyday life just for a punch punchline to drive a truth for life. And and he used them. He was very creative. He he was very aware that this was an opportunity for people to be thinking. And also, he he was aware that by telling these stories, people will identify and they'll have an opportunity to draw to the kingdom of God. So Jesus was the master uh, storyteller, but he he was not just a good, as I said in the previous weeks, a good moral story. These were stories that were uh, with a spiritual content and he really wanted them to, people to, to respond. So 2000 years later on, we still can look at the stories and they, they are still amazing and we can identify. But I've called this the stories um, and in between because Jesus was very um, wise in the way that he introduced the stories. And also, it's very interesting how the Holy Spirit has inspired the gospel writers to to fit these stories in the life and and the ministry of Jesus. So, I've said stories in between because Jesus told these stories uh, in between action, in between things that were happening. And we've looked at Matthew chapter 13 before. Uh, We've looked at the beginning of the parables, and today we're going to look at one parable which is made out of one verse. Later on we'll have some uh, um, younger guys uh, from the children's and youth group who are going to to read it for us. But the story was in between, and if you see chapter 11 and chapter 14 of the Gospel of Matthew, you see that uh, Jesus is exposing... The blanking out of Jesus's significant ministry. So he, he recognizes that he's doing significant miracles and si- significant things and yet people are really blanking him out. He's got people who are questioning whether he is the Messiah or not. So Jesus is, is really if you look at the um, Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, he's, he's say, speaking words of sorrow over the, city, the cities that have experienced God's greatness and they have not responded in repentance and embracing this kingdom. So he's, he's telling these stories in between warnings of unbelief and then what have we got in John chapter 14? the killing of a prophet. We've got the killing, what I would call the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist. And why? Because John the Baptist was being a prophetic voice and he was a threat, not only to the religious structures, but also to the political structures because he spoke truth and he spoke about this Messiah, but also he spoke about what Herod should do and should not do with his life and what God required. And he got in trouble for that, and he was killed. So in the midst of all these events, uh, Matthew makes sure to communicate Jesus' commitment, compassion and perseverance to continue to usher his kingdom to continue to bring healing and restoration into people and yet to continue to bring the truths of God's kingdom which are uncomfortable for people with the expectation that people will respond. And I just pray that as we think of these stories in between that you and I are going to be thinking of what are the parallelisms that we can draw with our own lives. And if Jesus' challenge was for the people in 2,000 years ago with these stories, how is he challenging us today? And, and today we're going to, to hear of a story which talks about somebody who finds a very big treasure. And uh, let's see what he does with that.
1: I'm reading Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. One day a man found the treasure. He hid it again and was so happy he went and sold everything he owned and bought the field. Also, God's kingdom is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. One day he found a very fine pearl. He went and sold everything. He had to buy it. I'm reading from Philippians 3 but that which is through faith in Christ. Thanks very much, Louis and Sam. Great job reading for us there. And hopefully we'll get to see a few more faces in the coming weeks as well as we do the reading. Well, uh, in a little while, Marky is going to be bringing us some more. We heard those, those scriptures there and thinking about treasure in a field. So today you Cairns Road have the opportunity to find your own treasure. So uh, in a minute my beautiful assistant here is going to put up some slides which will show, we're trying to do it so that you don't end up seeing the answer before.
0: Yeah and um, the reason why you have not received your chocolates yet is that we bought them and they got melted yeah. with the heat so. <laughs> yeah we, we do have, have a we, stash we of chocolates we, could, the we, prize couldn't bring, we couldn't bring the melted chocolate so we're waiting for cooler days.
1: But yes, today the rest of you have an opportunity. So we are going to play the game Where's the Treasure? (laughs) I need a jingle. I need a jingle. Anyway, so.
0: We can't see the screen here, but we can see here. But can they? Yeah, they can. They can can see the screen now.
1: Brilliant. Okay, so on your screens, ladies and gentlemen, you have a field. And if my assistant will press the button so we can see our grid. There we go. We have handily divided this field into, is it, 24 boxes. So, you are all gonna get the opportunity. Now, obviously there is more than 24 of you, but I'm sure that, you know, you can be gracious. So first of all, I'm gonna say for the under 20 year olds, let's see who's out there. You have the opportunity to pick a box where you think the treasure might be. And uh, when the 20-year-olds and under have sort of dried up, then the rest of you can pile on in. Try not to repeat a number, pick a different section, and we will see who can find our missing treasure. So if I can have a look at my... Will I be able to see the chat? You're going to get the chat up there, so I can see who's... um... So don't hang about here, you can have a pray about it, (laughs) discern, get your rods out. Which one do you think, where do you think in the field is your treasure? So. Have we got some answers coming in? Let's see. Right, I think there's some things flashing up. Right, here we go. We've got the chat here. This is it, so we can see. So we've got some people. Hannah, Bethan. Well, I like that. You're gonna, you're gonna share then, are you? Right. Brilliant. Batman and Robin. I don't know. I don't know where to find you. Where's it? Gotham? Is it near Gotham? Or <laughs> I'll have to find out where to bring you if you've won. Let's see. Anyone else? Brilliant. Oh, look. Ah, let's see. Interesting. Right. Should we let the rest of the, the grown-ups, the 20-pluses, go for it as well? Well done. Put your, your, um, your coordinates in and we'll see in a minute who has won. I wonder if we've already got a winner. Let's see. Hang on. Is there, any, is there any more coming in? Oh, well done. Oh, I like it. The God our children had to share a square, but the parents have got one each. Brilliant tactics there. <laughs>
0: Excellent. A38 in Bristol. Yes,
1: Andy. <laughs> Andy, maybe you recognise the field, do you? I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to check that Andy out. Andy says
0: A38 in
1: Bristol. <laughs> or maybe there is some real treasure there. Right, OK. So let's have a little look through now and have a little look. I can confirm.
0: We've, we've got one winner.
1: We do have someone who has found the treasure. So, if I, shall we go digging, Marky?
0: Yeah, go digging. And that
1: person will find out themselves. If remembers where they've dug. Where is it? Da, da, da. Ah. And what's in the hole? Chocolate coins, <laughs> woohoo. So. If you scroll up, you will actually see there's a there's a family connection, but no relatives were contacted in the making of this quiz, I will confirm. Even our very own children don't know. The winner is Niko Nechka. Round of applause. Well done, Niko. It was indeed buried in C2. I don't think anyone else, let me just scroll, no one else said C2, did they? So we did have a couple of duplicate answers.
0: Yeah, and Ruth, men- I forgot to mention in the beginning that um, there is no... No duplicates allowed, so, <laughs> well done Nico.
1: Nico, we will um, we will get your chocolate treasure to you uh, in the coming week.
0: Great will job. I'd better switch this um, off now. Because and... I'll need this for my notes. Uh, thank you, Sam and Louis, for reading us, reading for us. Um, as as you could see, um, Sam read from the parable that is just bang on in the middle um, of chapter thirteen, and there are seven different stories that are kind of unfold there. But the parable of somebody, as as um, as we as we hear, as we read here, somebody um, who well, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. And um, the reason why Jesus is talking, I mean, Matthew is writing to Jewish audience, really. And the reason why it's talking about the kingdom of heaven, rather than saying the kingdom of God or kingdom of Jesus, is because for the Jewish people, it was a, to say the name of God was a very, very, it's all, almost un, unspeakable uh, because of the honor and the fear and the respect that they had. So in one sense, Jesus had to identify talking about this kingdom of heaven. So every time Jesus refers to heaven, he talks about God's kingdom, uh, his kingdom, and, and, and really, and Jesus saying, it is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. So we, we are reminded by Jesus that there, there is an element here of a value. This is such a, a valuable item. It's a kingdom. Kingdom is like a treasure who's, which hidden, uh, which is hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Um, I don't know if you have checked the news recently, but in the beginning of August, um, the news made sure that they informed us that... uh, um, somebody who was a metal detector, uh, he was able to find some civil war era coins that were worth a hundred thousand pounds. His name is um, Luke Mahoney, I said it right, and um, actually they asked him what was in the in the hoard of the coins, there were a thousand and sixty-one coins and um, I love the question uh, that they ask and the way he answers. He says, "How, How did Luke react to find them? They ask him. So Luke responds, That feeling of scrapping dirt away and seeing the coins is indescribable. And then after he found the coins, he notified the local find liaison officer and declared, the treasure to the coroner but he and his friends stayed to guard this finding, this hoard. I was up for three days solid watching all night making sure no one tried to sneak in and take the hoard said Luke. So it's amazing story and Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure that is hidden in this field. And somebody finds it and with all joy that he had, because he has found it, he sells up everything and it goes and purchases this field. It's very interesting because Jesus is telling this story, as I said, in between trying to challenge the status quo of the Pharisees trying to to bring to attention that actually people who have surrounded Jesus throughout his ministry and the miracles they still have not got really sussed what the kingdom of God and what Jesus's kingdom is all about. He's telling this story in the middle where in the midst where the prophets are being denied of God's revelation to them and what's going to happen. Jesus is rejected in his own city. Uh, John the Baptist is killed because, again, he, he challenges Herod. And, and Jesus is telling the stories of kingdom because he wants people to be part of his kingdom, because he wants people to, to, to come and join him. And this new kingdom, which is not just a territorial rule, but it's a reign. It's a reign in their hearts. And Jesus is the king. So it's talking about the reality of this parable saying that actually this, this kingdom that Jesus is offering is real. And the other thing that is coming from this one verse, Bible verse of the parable, is that actually this kind of treasure that is the kingdom is worth everything is worth everything and it's it's interesting because it's that that tension between this kingdom being known but people not recognizing it but when they recognize it it's worth everything as you can see jesus talks about this pu- person who has joy in finding this treasure and he is going to sell up everything in order to go and purchase um, this plot of land and and I said to to um um, as I was thinking about it is that in the other in in a different way to look at that is that the kingdom of Jesus also is it's quite a paradox because in one in one way you you seek to find it you sacrifice all for it and then after you've given it all into it you find in it all that you need and, and Abi said earlier on that um, we are all in this one thing we want something and never Thought that we would be, and I think perhaps this is the time when we think a little bit about God's kingdom. That in one sense, perhaps it's that time that actually COVID is is bringing us to think a little bit about are we prepared to give it all, everything? And I'm not talking here about money only. I'm talking about our dignity. We're talking about our our pride, our achievements, our everything that we have, just for the sake. Of treasuring Christ. Um, the story is told, and Jesus, um, uh, Mark, actually, in his gospel tells the story of Jesus encountering a rich young ruler. For those of you <clears throat> who've got your Bibles there, can you open them in Mark chapter 10? Uh, and we know all this story. And and, um, we know this interaction with uh, with Jesus. But it's it's important that that we see here that that Jesus is, is really serious about asking people to follow him in his kingdom. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, good teacher, what I must do to inherit eternal life? Now this is Mark, so the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus carries on. And he says, um, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he says, teacher, I've kept this since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and said, one thing you've lacked. He said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the reaction is, This man's face fell, says the NIV. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And perhaps it is our wealth that is stopping us to give it all to find this treasure in God's kingdom. And uh, I wanted to give another example and then I'm gonna stop there because yes, we've got the example of this rich young ruler who was with face down and saddened from Jesus' response because he probably expected to say, Oh, you're amazing. You've got the riches of the world, you've got all you've ticked all the boxes, and Jesus is challenging him. It's something that he needs to give up for the kingdom. And the interesting bit here is that we've got a similar person who was probably on the same kind of standard as the rich young ruler, but saw the invitation of the kingdom and responded to it. That's Saul of Tarsus, which we know as Apostle Paul. And when when Jesus meets him, um he, Paul gives his life to Jesus and in Philippians um, chapter 3 which I'm going to read um, and, and actually very kindly uh, Louis uh, read it for us but in Philippians chapter 3 Paul says actually whatever gain I had so he ticked all the boxes of the pharisaic law He ticked all the boxes of being a uh, a good moral person. He fitted all the boxes of being really high there in the the, the crisp of the society and stuff. And then he says, but whatever gain I had, I have counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. This is the found treasure. I have got everything that I need to be a good Jew and yet i meet with Christ, and he's offering me a kingdom call. And now I've counted that all loss, says Paul, for the sake of knowing Christ. I count everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but the one that comes from Christ. So Jesus is telling this story. He's telling this story in between. And perhaps you heard hear the story today, and the question that I, as you hear this story, you think, oh, but what does this mean for us? And the question that I've got for you and uh, you can speak on the uh, Coffee Breakout groups later on, is, is there anything that is holding you back or is it not helping you to give it all in to this kingdom that Christ is offering us? I'll pray for us and then I'll I hand it over to John T. To, and, and Abby to lead us into our last song worship. Father God, thank you that your kingdom is like a treasure. And we are sorry that sometimes we don't give the worth that it's due. And Lord, we take this time to look at our lives and say, if there is any way, Lord, that we are stopping your kingdom, or stopping ourselves to embrace your kingdom, would you, with the power of your spirit, help us? Would you show us? because we want to be like those people who find this treasure and have joy, because the path to your kingdom is joy in you. And Lord, we commit ourselves during this time of COVID, and we say that if this is that opportunity for us, Lord, to look look at at this kingdom invitation, I pray, Lord, that we don't miss this opportunity. I pray this for myself, I pray this for my family, I pray this for my church family Lord, I pray this for people who I love and care, in Jesus name, Amen.
1: Just as we come to the end of our service, again this week we're going to do a little bit like we did last week, just having a think about a normal person who having heard the treasure and found the treasure of the good news rather than just bearing it again they wanted to to share that good news and they were willing to sacrifice all they had in order to do it. So last week for those of you who weren't with us we looked at the life of C.T. Studd. Well this week we're going to go even further back in history um, to talk about someone called Carey. Now you think I'm probably going to talk about William Carey but in fact no we're going to be talking about Lot Carey. Now I had never heard of this gentleman, and I'm guessing that probably most of all of you won't have heard of him either. But he was, um, some argue, the first black African uh, missionary to go, well, uh, slave to go then back as a missionary to Africa. Um, So, Lot was born in 1780, so going back away. And he was born uh, into, hang on, let me just check this yeah he was born into slavery in Virginia USA so his grandmother had been brought over on the slave ships from Africa um, and so he was a second generation slave family and he grew up unexpectedly feeling quite bitter and resentful of the life that he lived but uh, at the age of 24 his his owner rented him out to a tobacco factory and there, he, he did well, but he was known for being a drunkard and for having a rather foul mouth upon him. Um, but at the age of 27, that all changed a lot. And he, although his father had been a devout Christian, he really heard the gospel uh, for the first time. And that good news transformed him and transformed his whole life at that stage. So uh, not long after uh, becoming a Christian he was in a church and heard a sermon all about uh, the story of Nicodemus which we find in the book of John and he was so caught up with this character of Nicodemus and his story that he thought I've got to find out more about this for myself and obviously as a slave up to that point he'd had no access to education but as such was his desire to know God's word that he set about learning to read learning to write Um, so that he could access uh, the scriptures himself and he was a bright bright young man and he set about doing that and and achieved it but of course with that not only came the wonderful joy of being able to access scripture but it meant he had the skills then even in the workplace so he quickly was promoted and uh, he became uh, a clerk uh, and was responsible for the sort of some of the orders And so even though he was a slave, because of the work he did that was so well, he would often also be paid a bonus or a tip that he would get to keep himself. And um, he saved that money. And as the years went by, he saved enough so that in, I think it was about 1813, he was actually able to buy his own freedom and the freedom for his two children. He had married, but unfortunately his wife died. So he was left uh, with these two children, but he was able to purchase the freedom for all of them. But Lot carried on working, so he was attending church, he was preaching even by this stage, but he was working, and he was by now a very highly revered uh, worker and was paid quite handsomely for the work that he did. But deep down, for Lot, that wasn't what it was all about. He'd heard that good news of Jesus Christ, and he had a passion in his heart for going back to Africa to tell the people there about the lord jesus and uh his bosses at the the tobacco factory even when they heard that this was his plan was to to leave to go and be a missionary they tried to keep him on because such he was such a good worker and they even offered him a massive pay rise but unlike the rich young ruler that we read about in scriptures Lot said no i'm leaving behind these worldly these worldly riches i'm willing to give up everything to go So this this quote I found um, as I've been reading, and it's quite long, but I just found it quite challenging. So I wanted to share with you. So just before he, he set sail for Africa, he said, I'm about to leave you and I expect to see your faces no more. I long to preach to the poor Africans, the way of life and salvation. I don't know what may befall me, whether I may find a grave in the ocean or among the savage men or more savage wild beasts on the coast of Africa nor am I anxious about what may become of me. I feel it my duty to go, and I very much fear that many of those who preach the gospel in this country will blush when the Saviour calls them to give an account of their labours in his cause, and tell them, I commanded you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." The Saviour may ask, where have you been? What have you been doing? Have you endeavoured to the utmost of your ability to fulfil the commands I gave you? Or have you sought your own gratification and your own ease, regardless of my commands? Something to ponder on, I think, for us all. But Lot knew what he needed to do. And he and his children, um, and he was remarried now by this point, got on board. Uh, and they sailed across to Africa. It was a 44 day journey and they arrived in Sierra Leone. But within a short time of arriving his second wife also passed away. He was there for a while in Sierra Leone and then in 1822 he moved to Liberia. So there was an American colonialization society and they were trying to establish a place for all these free slaves to return from uh, America to Africa. So there were some, you know, there's a separate issue about the rights and wrongs of that. But Lot was there not to build a colony, but to bring the good news of Jesus. And uh, through his time there, he worked t- telling people about Jesus. He did this in practical ways. He passed set up the first church there in Liberia. He also taught children, um, again, educating them and bringing to them scripture. He managed to teach himself some medical skills and use those in his work. And he preached the word of God faithfully there, so much so that records show that some of the um, folks from the tribes would walk even up to 100 miles to come and hear him preach the word of God. Um, oh, hang on, let me go back. I think they gone previous. It says on uh, the reverse of his memorial stone, Lots care, self-denying, self-sacrificing labours as a self-taught physician, as a missionary and a pastor of a church, and finally, he became governor of the colony, have inscribed his name indelibly on the page of history, not only as one of nature's noblemen, but as an eminent philanthropist and missionary of Jesus Christ. All that Lot did was um, inspired by that good news he heard at the age of 27 and um, when we think about the passage we read today I just put the the Philippians verse up here along with a quote of of lots because again it speaks to me of the power of good news and that challenge to us what are we doing with that good news and what are we willing to sacrifice in order to see other people know the good news of Jesus Christ lot says this step is not taken this is about his his move to liberia from sierra leone this step is not taken to promote my own fortune nor am i influenced by any sudden impulse i have counted the cost and have sacrificed all my worldly possessions to this undertaking i am prepared to meet imprisonment or even death in carrying out the purpose of my heart now yes this was a long long time ago and yes it's maybe it seems a different world but I do believe the challenges are for us today and something I grapple with at the moment is what does it look like when I am just at home most of the time how do I live out my faith how do I live a life that's willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus Christ and um, I haven't got the answers yet I'm trying to see what that looks like in the small actions in the small things that God may trust me with more in the days to come But, you know, Lot Carey had a a legacy that lived on. You know, 85% of the population in Liberia today are Christian of some sort. Um, There's an organisation that's named in his honour and he was an example of someone who who gave up everything. So let that be a challenge to us this week. And next week, I'll be back with someone a lot more (laughs) recent times and uh, a woman as well. So thanks very much. Marky, can I hand back to you just to finish us all off for the week?
0: Yeah, thank you, Ruth, for the great story. I'd never heard of love, Kerry, either. So it's it's great to be reminded.